Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Gridiron Forecast, a weekly roundtable discussion podcast centered around the complex world of fantasy football. Now here's your host, Nick Rizzo. What's going on, everybody? You are tuned in to Gridiron Forecast, a podcast centered around the complex world of fantasy football. It is week 11 now, ladies and gentlemen. The playoff contenders are starting to rise. The cellar dwellers are starting to get comfortable down in that basement. The true contenders are starting to separate themselves from the field. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, along with my guest here today, Nick Carlson. Nick Carlson, you have become a pretty regular guest here on the podcast. I appreciate it, sir. Well, yeah, I have, although it's my knowledge of fantasy football is nothing special because I'm currently 2-8 and eight in my fantasy football league. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not like you with the seven fantasy football leagues. I just stick to one. So. Yeah, yeah. Next year, I can guarantee you I will not be participating in no more than three leagues because... The six leagues that I'm in right now, it is just too much to handle. Yeah, I agree. I think even just having one... I mean, are we both in agreement that I think that fantasy football is a full-time job? Oh, no, 100%. (laughs) No, absolutely. You dedicate all of your time and thoughts to fantasy football. And I think it's funny because, like, I don't know what GMs must think, but it's got to be pretty crazy because, like... You get a phone call and someone's like, hey, like, let's make a trade. Sometimes I'm like, no, like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk right now. And I'm like, my team's good. Like, what if you call the Chiefs and you're like, hey, like, let's talk trade. It's like, no, I don't want, like, we're good right now, even if you're the Bills. That's why I get all these text messages. People are like, hey, like, let's talk. I want Joe Mixon. I'm like, no, I love Joe Mixon. <laughs> no, I, it's just one of those things. No, that's so true, though, because, like, these complex trades in the NFL, like, these big quarterback deals, these, these have to take weeks to put together and come about they got to be on the phone basically all hours of the day it's actually crazy to think about well Alex also you got to work out the money you have to work out different things for us we're just like hey you want Devontae Adams sweet cool goodbye (laughs) and then you just get rid of him with like the touch of a couple buttons the actual NFL it's a completely different thing that's why I'm not in the position to be a GM yeah no seriously Especially considering when there when there's a big trade on the table in fantasy football, you're literally sitting there thinking about it for multiple hours on end. It literally just becomes your life at that point. Well, there's a a thing that came out that do you, you ever seen the movie Draft Day? I love that movie. That's got to be one of my favorite movies of all time. So apparently that movie's really fake because they had the Chargers GM at the time do a video about it, and apparently trades are done like weeks in advance. And then uh, when it's time to come, they'll say, hey, are, are we ready for this? Like, when it all works out together, then they say, all right, let's get rid of these draft picks or whatever. It's not like, hey, well, let's give them a call. Hey, I want my picks back. That's, you can't, <laughs> that's not how it works. Added for emphasis. <laughs> yeah, it's all for dramatics and for the movies. But it's just funny how vastly different all of that is. No, that's actually crazy to think about. And then they make us sit there on draft night. They waste the nine out of the ten minutes on the clock and then decide to make the trade. Like, come on. Exactly. And that's why it's funny because it's like they're trying to piece together the ones that they have packaged. But, I mean, draft a very good movie, but very unrealistic at the same time. Very good movie. All right, so let's kick things off here. We, We had an interesting situation go down on Sunday Night Football when the Los Angeles Chargers traveled to San Francisco to face the 49ers, who newly 
just acquired Christian McCaffrey. And so the storyline here, Elijah Mitchell comes back. His first game in multiple months after suffering a knee injury. He comes back, and he steals the show on the ground for the 49ers. Uh, He comes through with 18 rushing attempts in compared to Christian's 14. Christian McCaffrey did have the edge in catches. Mitchell only had one catch. Christian McCaffrey had five. So overall, McCaffrey wins the touch battle 19-18. I was going to say, I think statistically speaking, and I don't know what your thought on this is, but I think McCaffrey's production is going to be completely decreased now. Or not completely decreased, but it's not going to be Carolina Panthers. It's going to be probably split in half because Elijah Mitchell is getting a lot of the carries. McCaffrey, on the other hand, just gets the catches. So for the most part, he's not a first round. I wouldn't say first round. He's not a first overall pick next year. I wouldn't even say he's a second. I wouldn't even say he's top five because he's actually splitting with players now. That's Yeah, exactly. And so Kyle Shanahan, he comes out during a press conference early this week. He says that he wants about even rushes for McCaffrey and Mitchell. He goes on to say that that was kind of their goal before the game started. Excuse me, was to kind of have McCaffrey and Mitchell hover around the 50-50 mark in terms of split touches. So, basically, my question is, will this continue for the 49ers? And as a result, I mean, this could significantly plummet CMC's prospects as an elite fantasy option moving forward. It's so tough because I think that the Niners as a team are extremely dangerous as a football team for Mm -hmm. the NFL. For fantasy, it's a completely different ballgame because now Debo takes a hit. Kittle takes a hit. Elijah Mitchell, McCaffrey, everybody takes a hit. All because of now McCaffrey comes in. There's so many different weapons you can get the ball to. I mean, I don't think Debo is a first-round guy. I don't think he's a second-round guy. Mm -hmm. You can make the argument he's going to be in the third round somewhere, but Debo, who was fantastic last year, it's not the same thing. Kittle, not the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of missing or a lot of moving pieces there in, in San Francisco. For fantasy-wise, it doesn't really work. San Francisco is definitely a team built more towards real-life football than yeah. fantasy football. And I, honestly, it kind of came as a shock to me because we've seen Shanahan in recent history. He gives one running back the keys to the offense. We saw it with Eli Mitchell last year when he was healthy. He got an absurd amount of touches on certain weeks last year. I remember the one week last year he got like close to 35 touches in a game, Eli Mitchell. And then so he gets hurt. You see Jeff Wilson get majority of the catches. But, I mean, I guess this could just be a factor of Shanahan finally having two elite options at running back to use. Well, who's going to be the one with the keys to the kingdom? I would say it's McCaffrey just because of what you've given up for him plus Mm -hmm. his skill set. But still, I mean, you have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt type scenarios going on in San Francisco because there's both two very good backs who on any majority of the day could have 20 carries for 100 yards, whether it's McCaffrey or Elijah Mitchell. It's just the fact that McCaffrey brings that five receptions for 40 yards aspect as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that in his first game he threw for a touchdown, rushed, and and caught a touchdown, that kind of opened up some eyes, but now it's back to life with Mitchell there too. And that that's the thing that's making me not completely concerned with this situation right now because Mitchell, he hasn't proved himself as a pass catcher really at all in the NFL McCaffrey, that's sort of his bread and butter as a running back. So McCaffrey's definitely going to still get a large majority, if not all of the pass game work out of the backfield for the 49ers, which I, I think McCaffrey will still be an RB1, but 
top three guy. I don't know if he could do it with Mitchell. If he gets these large workloads on the ground, it's seriously going to hurt McCaffrey. Do you think that with Trey Lance potentially coming next year, do you think that that's going to play a hit? Because I would not want to touch a single player on that 49ers offense, knowing that Jimmy is very good at, I wouldn't say being a quarterback, I'd say managing the game. Trey Lance, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know it's going to be run-based. So do you give it to, to Debo or George Kittle? I mean, what do you do? Is McCaffrey a first-rounder because they're going to run the ball 55 times? I don't know. Well, McCaffrey, I, I feel like he will be a first-rounder next year, maybe a late first-rounder. But it also depends on what he does the rest of the season here. I mean, he could absolutely explode and then still be solidified as a top three option in drafts. But I would be hesitant to draft him in that spot, assuming Lance is coming back in that starting role, because Lance isn't going to give McCaffrey as many checkdowns as Jimmy G is. Like you said, Lance is a young guy. He's going to want to take some shots to his weapons, and the game will be more run-oriented for the 49ers with Lance and his legs. So I think McCaffrey with Lance is a little concerning, but for the rest of the season with Jimmy G, I think McCaffrey will still hover around his six to eight catches a game, and I think that'll return some pretty good numbers for him. I'm trying to think of where he's going to kind of explode because I don't think it's going to be in the rushing game because I feel like Elijah Mitchell, it's like playing Madden. You, have you played Madden franchise mode? Yes. <laughs> so it's like when you have the power back in Elijah Mitchell, mm-hmm. then the third down running back is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. That's the way I think it's going to go. It's going to be in the reception game, if anything. But for the most part, as a guy who has played the majority of his career as the number one guy, now McCaffrey doesn't really have to do that. Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan knows that. So for fantasy purposes, I think McCaffrey's in trouble here of falling out of the first round, potentially, if all goes wrong. And also, you have to think, the 49ers want this guy on their team for the next three years after this season. And they are fully aware of McCaffrey's injury history. You best believe that. So they're definitely going to try to preserve this guy. I think what we saw on Sunday night, I think that's just going to be the normal from here on out. I think McCaffrey and Mitchell are going to hover around a near 50-50 split of touches, but McCaffrey will have the edge in fantasy purposes just because of the receiving work that he's going to get. So if you had the—so let's say you had Elijah Mitchell and McCaffrey— you had the running backs. You had everything set, ready to go. Who are you starting, though? Elijah Mitchell or Christian McCaffrey? In, I, in fantasy? Yeah, because I think you got to go McCaffrey just because of the potential receiving output, too. You, you definitely have to go McCaffrey. I mean, I think McCaffrey will still be a solid RB1. Yeah. But, you know, game-changing abilities like we saw uh, the game before the bye where he had the, the triple crown in touchdowns, passing, receiving, and rushing, I, I don't think we're going to see really that type of explosiveness out of him with Mitchell involved this much. I also don't know who's going to get the goal line carries. I, I you Probably Mitchell, right? See, now, it's interesting because the 49ers, they had seven goal line carries inside the five-yard line on Sunday night. McCaffrey got five of them. Mitchell got two of them. Yeah, see, I don't know. But it's we've seen it with the 49ers. It's it's like, oh, Elijah Mitchell's uh, starting this week. Uh, Michael Hasty's going to get all the carries. <laughs> so it's like you never know with Shanahan. So it's like I feel like the 49ers, especially if you need to put a flex or an RB2, the 49ers are so scary because you never know what they're going to do. Yeah, and it's a risky situation, which is why I decided to make a move in my fantasy league yesterday, actually. It happened yesterday. So, which one? One of the seven fantasy <laughs> leagues? <laughs> All right, no, no, no. This is my main league. So, this is the league that I'm most concerned about. So, I shipped, oh, excuse me. I shipped Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, to give the guy his handcuff. All right. Yeah, you better be getting back like 
two first rounders right here. So the the center the center of the deal was I traded Christian McCaffrey and Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay. I got hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You traded Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes. And here's here's what I got in return. All right. So you got to listen to the full context here. All right. So I got Justin Jefferson back. I got Miles Sanders, Michael Pittman, and David Njoku. Now let me give you some context on this trade. Before the trade, I had Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Kenneth Walker. So I still have Cook and Walker solidified in my two RB spots. The thing I was missing was a superstar wide receiver. So now I have Jefferson in that spot, and I made the mistake of drafting. Who's your wide receiver, too? So I got a lot of depth. I have Amari Cooper. I have Chris Olave. Like, how many people are in this league? Ten-team league. Oh, that's a lot of depth. I have 12, and it's just it's pure chaos. Oh, that's yeah. great. So, all right, so what's your starting lineup? Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Amari Cooper, Chris Olave, Dalvin Cook, Kenneth Walker, Kyle Pitts at tight end, which is part of the reason why Njoku got thrown in there. You know, give me some more flexibility there because we know what Pitts has done this season. And then flex, I could slide in there. Tyler Lockett, Ayuk, uh, Pittman now. See, so. 10-team leagues are tough because I've been playing 12 my whole life. So it's like, I, for me personally, I'd be thinking, like, let's take, let's package, like, Pittman, Olave. Let's take, like, four of those guys and let's just go get, like, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know if you can get away with that in, in a 10-man league because I feel like everyone else kind of has that depth. But, I mean, that's still pretty good depth. I, I, as I've gotten older, I, I like the Jalen Hurts pick. As I've gotten older, I've started to realize that you should take a quarterback early on. And everyone says not to, but, like, I, I'm streaming quarterbacks week by week. So Look, the quarterback position is going to be what gives you the most points in your lineup. It, it's, like, arguably the most important position in fantasy. And sometimes it's not taken until the ninth round. So, like, I, I took Trey Lance in the seventh round of my draft. Oh, man. And now he's out for the season. <laughs> like, the guys who took Josh Allen... Consistent 25 points. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, consistent 25. Burrow, too. I mean, Burrow's putting up good numbers. I It's so tough because, like, I'm stuck with Fields now. But Fields has been good. But That's play, that's paid off for you so far. But, like, I was playing Andy Dalton some weeks. Jared Goff. Like, I played Geno one week, mm-hmm. and he didn't even do that well. So And these guys also have 50-point ceiling, so it's really like a high-floor, high-ceiling situation. Honestly, next year, I think I'm going to go QB early in the draft. I, I might go QB first round, yeah, honestly, because no. this is... It's like seriously the most probably underrated position in fantasy because people just don't take them early. She's like, all right, so let's just say you are in the first round and it's a late pick for you. So it's like pick nine. Mm -hmm. And like you still got like, for me, Cooper Cup fell to nine in my league. So like, oh, wow. You're looking at Cup, but like Josh Allen's there too. Mm-hmm. And you know that the guy behind you is going to take Josh Allen, and you know that the guy behind that is going to take like Mahomes. Yeah. So are you pulling the trigger on a on a quarterback, or are you taking Cup? Because I you know Cup's going to get you the points, but at the same time, a quarterback like Josh Allen, consistent thirty points. It's tough because even if Allen and Mahomes go off the board, there's still like very high upside guys that you yeah. could take there. Like there's other elite options at quarterback besides Mahomes and Allen, you know? Yeah. Like Lamar I mean Lamar has won. Lamar with his Tyler's rushing. Lamar's been all right, but Yeah. He he hasn't really like flashed the upside that we've seen in the past fantasy wise this year, but yeah. So, 
I, I'm sitting here. I, I think I could make two more moves that could complete my team in the league that we were just talking about, right? So I'm talking to a fellow league mate right now. He's uh, struggling w- on the depth department. He does have two superstar wide receivers. He has Jalen Waddle and A.J. Brown. So I mentioned that I have Jalen Hurts. I'm trying to get A.J. Brown and get that stack. So he wants depth. I offered him a two-for-one trade. I would offer him Olave and Pittman. That's what I would offer. Really? Really? Actually, you know, you know what the problem with that is, though? Is the two-for-one trades with the wide receivers. I wouldn't want that because even though I'm getting rid of A.J. Brown, I could fill Olave into Brown, but then where does Pittman go? Because it's, it's, you've probably already got your flex. That's why I think you've got to go a little bit bigger with that. Yeah. Well, if, if you're on my end or his end with if that? I, if I was him, I would want you to go a little bit more bigger. Yeah. Because I would want someone to fill A.J. Brown's role as that wide receiver one. Well, look, he said he was interested. And we've been talking about a potential deal about me shipping him Cooper and Lockett for Brown. Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett? Yeah. He he like he likes Cooper in that trade. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, to go bigger. Yeah, yeah, that would be a trade where I'm like, all right, like if you could get that, then all right. But so so then at this point, I'm gonna shift gears to another team of my opponent. Let's assume that that trade follows through. That would be great. I have Jefferson, AJ Brown. I hop over to my other league mate, whose running backs are currently Najee Harris and David Montgomery. All right. I offer him a nice little Chris Olave and Miles Sanders for T. Higgins trade. And then I have Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Higgins, Cook, Walker. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I also have Marquise Brown coming back off injured reserve. See, actually, like in a 12-person league, this is like you're winning the league. But like <laughs> I, I don't know how the 10-person teams work. So it's like that works out. The only problem is, and I've been a victim of this, is you work out the trade in your head, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's a good trade. He's going to accept that. All right, so now let's move on to the next one. But then when you, tar- you start to talk to him about it, they're like, nah, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to like do something else. And you're like, nah, you're ruining my plans. Like This is like in a perfect world scenario. Like yeah. how we've seen the reports uh, shifting over to the NBA about how Daryl Morey had like dreams of teaming up Harden and Bede and KD and all this, and that was like his perfect world scenario. Yeah, because I see it all the time. It's I, I That happened last year, and you're working out, and you're like, all right, so Billy, let's work out this trade. Okay, when, when Billy works, then Frank. Oh, that trade we're going to do with Frank is because we're going to use those pieces, and then you just go, but then Billy denies the trade, and it's just it's one of those things where it's like trading gets so difficult. Do you guys have a trade deadline? Yes, it's uh, next Saturday. Yeah, mine's mine is today at like... Midnight, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's why it's been trade Mageddon or whatever the word is. You got to try to make some last-second moves, revive yeah, that I'm, record I'm a little bit. I'm 2-8, and eight, <laughs> so, like, I, I have nothing to look for. Is there uh, a punishment, last-place punishment no, for that one? No, 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 no. The, see, I always think that the punishment is that you don't win the money. That's what <laughs> yeah, I— Yeah, true, true. Because first place, ours is a $50 buy-in, so 12 times, so 600 bucks. Yeah, And the okay, winner gets okay. all 600. Oh, uh, winner take all in that yeah, one? Nice. So. Just because, like, when second place gets like a hundred bucks, like, come on, like, I like, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, or like, they're like winners of the losers bracket gets fifteen bucks. Now that's just mean. Like, if you're not first, you're last, exactly. Baby. But all right, so shifting gears here, your boy that you just scooped up off the waiver wire, perhaps the pickup of the season, Justin Fields, he explodes once again this past Sunday against the Lions. Another 50-point fantasy outing. Back-to-back 50-point fantasy outings for Justin Fields here. Uh, at least in my league, we have uh, bonuses for four. Wait, 50 points? Yes. He had 38 in my What are the bonuses? Um, 
So, so this will describe a lot based on how he's been receiving his points. We have bonuses for 40-yard rushes and 40-yard rushing touchdowns. Two points. Uh, I was going to say, didn't he have like back-to-back 60 yards? <laughs> yeah. So that that basically boosted his uh his outings a little bit, but nonetheless exploded for fantasy managers. So here's my question, and let's say draft comes around next year. I mean, you got Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields. I would say are the top four quarterbacks, right? You could throw Mahomes in there too. Okay, okay. But where does Fields rank into that? If he keeps this pace up, he won't. But if the rushing yards are still going like 70 yards a game. Yeah, I mean, the rushing yardage just gives quarterbacks a floor that is just unheard of. We saw it with Lamar Jackson uh, back in his MVP year. I mean, a bad week for Lamar Jackson would be like a 25-point game back in that year. And that's just absolutely absurd. And, I mean, you have to continue to account in the passing progression that we're going to see out of That's the problem with Fields, though, is he doesn't pass the ball well. Like yes. he's, he's 10 for 14 with 100 yards and 200 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. I think that that could just be the way that the Bears' offense is molded right now, though. They you don't think ha- it holds him back, though? They don't have a great offensive line right now. He doesn't have— See, here's my stat <laughs> with that, though. I saw a stat. He has the most time to throw out of all sort of Really? Yeah, with 3.8 seconds or something like that. That actually shocks me. I know. So it's the offensive line. I, it's not as bad as we think it is. Wow. They're, they're flying under the radar a little bit this year. And especially with Fields having 200 rushing yards a game. or What, what do you have last week? 184 or something? Oh, yeah. It was something absurd yeah. like that. Like 178 around that range. Like He had more rushing yards than passing yards. But so. the, also that question, though, it... It also depends on what the Bears do in the offseason as well because Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, they're solid options, but they're not number one guys. They're not number one type receiver guys. So, And every elite quarterback that we see in the NFL, they have a solidified number one option that they can go to at any given moment in the game. So Justin Fields is going to have to acquire that for me. You'd have to think it would hurt him, though. Like, oh. Because if they get a wide receiver, all right, so let's say... Who's who's a wide receiver going to the free agent market that I could think of? Well, um, may, maybe Terry in a possible trade. Terry McLaurin. So all right, so Terry McLaurin in a trade goes to the Bears. You don't think that that would hurt him just because it's like you have to feel the need to get it to Terry a little more, or if you get a well, tight end or, or something like that, then you want to open up the passing game a little more because the majority of actually no, all of Justin Fields' points have come from the rushing game. So mm-hmm. when they stop rushing. Fields starts to go down in production. And that's the thing. That's why they got to get more involved in the passing offense for the Bears for Fields to truly become a consistent elite option for me. Because, like, it's pretty... This rushing, it's not going to be sustainable for the rest of the year. He's not going to rush for 150 yards a game. You know what I mean? So he's definitely... In order to maintain, like... Does he go over 100 a game, you think? No way. You don't think so? No way. Okay, all right. No way. I think, look, I don't think his rushing is going away anytime soon, but t- uh, you also have to take into account it's come against two of the worst defenses in the league, oh, yeah. Miami, Detroit. Teams are going to start keying in on this now because the league has woken up on this, and they're aware. So, and, all right, so. <laughs> the day he plays the Patriots, I would, I'd bench him, and I would be fully confident in it. Because I, I, oh, yeah. Bill Belichick's going to come with a game plan, and it's going to it's gonna get figured out. We, we know how Bill Belichick's defense comes yeah. against young QBs. Yeah. I've seen it with Zach Wilson. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So that that's my take on it. In order for Fields to sustain top five consistency for, well, for the rest of this season and next season, he's going to have to get that number one guy. And you mentioned the, the possible hurting him, getting a true number one option. 
for a guy like Terry McLaurin, I don't think that would really matter as much for him. He We've seen him be a leader. He's a true voice in that locker room for the commanders right now. And look, he's Terry McLaurin. He's going to get his with Justin Fields no matter what. But if there's a moment in the game or if there's a game where defenses are keying in on him and he's not getting the ball and that opens up others like Mooney and Claypool to make plays, then Terry McLaurin's going to be fine with that. And so, but that's a guy specifically like McLaurin, not saying every receiver would be like that. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that Curtis Samuel was another guy to look at too. I think that he's kind of come out of nowhere. He was good with the Panthers a little bit, but I mean, I have Curtis Samuel in my flex in a 12-man league, and he's putting up like a simple 13 points a game. Oh, yeah, he's doing his job. I think he had 17 two weeks ago, and I'm completely okay with that because if you're getting over 10, I'm like, sweet, in my flex, that's fine. I mean, I've had Keenan Allen rotting on my bench for about 500 <laughs> weeks now. So, Oh, dude. I mean, he was, he was my second-round pick, and I, I can't get anywhere with him. I, I have Debo manning down the wide receiver one <laughs> yeah. spot. So Between him and Michael Thomas, I don't know who's been more disappointing this year in terms of injuries, seriously. But I actually really like your point about that getting a true number one guy possibly hurting an offense, an evolving offense, because I believe we're seeing it over in Vegas right now with the Raiders. Devontae Adams made a a really interesting comment recently. He said something along the lines of, if we're going to base it off of, oh, the defense was doubling Tay, so we couldn't get him the ball, then I have no reason to be in this building. You know, like we see it at other places. That's Num- a dumb statement, though, no, from Devontae Adams. That's what no. I'm saying. He's saying number one guys are getting the ball no matter what. He says, if we base it off that based on the whole season, then I would have four catches all year because I'm basically getting doubled every play. So I think that was a little shot at Derek Carr and the Raiders a little bit from Adams. I think it's, and I, this doesn't really relate to fantasy football, but I feel like Josh McDaniels as a coach has kind of proved that he can't coach, as well as the team's just kind of a mess right now. I mean, they're missing Renfro, they're missing Waller. Carr hasn't been that good, and because of that, Devontae Adams has struggled. But then it's so weird because we're like, oh, Devontae Adams is struggling. Next game he gets 25 targets mm-hmm. with 15 catches and... 100-something yards, and it's like, wow, okay, so when Devontae Adams is performing at his best, he's doing good, but at the same time, Devontae Adams right now in fantasy, I mean, what was he, had two really good weeks? Other than that, it's been kind of low for him. I, I He's not the wide receiver one, I'd say, right now. He's been picking it up recently, though. The past two weeks, he's had some solid games, but, I mean, you can't really, I can't really sit here and say that he's wrong, though, because in the games that he has had bad weeks, the Raiders' offense has been completely out of sync. In games where Derek Carr is getting Adams the ball, that's when the Raiders' offense looks their best, so Adams kind of has a point to me. So, this is, so he had 30 points in the first game, then he had 9, then 14, 19, 27, 17, 1, (laughs) so he's definitely still wide receiver one but at the same time it's those little weeks of when he kind of struggles a little bit I mean he's averaging not even averaging oh my god 17 targets 10 targets 13 targets 17 I mean the targets are there yeah it's just when the production gets going a little bit I mean he's going to be ridiculous I think that's just a matter of Carr not being able to get him the ball the way Rodgers used to I think he still has the upside that he had in Green Bay but the floor is just lowered him now. So you think he could put up the same amount of points as he was doing in Green Bay? Because uh, oh yeah, Devonte Adams was like fourth overall pick in my draft, like back to back years when he was in Green Bay. I don't think he's there anymore. No, no. I think he's end of the first round. And look, he went first round or he went first pick in the second round in my draft this year. So, and I mean, I think he'll hover around that area again next year. You know, maybe early second a little bit, but 
You know who shocked me the most? And I know that, the, that this wasn't on the itinerary, but I just wanted to get your opinion on this. Okay. This player has shocked me the absolute most. He was he was a first-round pick, like clear first-round pick, and then was bumped way back. Like he was back of the second for mine. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about if I told you he's a wide receiver? He was supposed to go in the first, but he got bumped to the end of the second. Yeah, and you're surprised by him. Yeah, I'm surprised by how good he's been doing. And he was supposed to be a first rounder. He was. He's been a first rounder for like two, three years now. And then now, after the off season, okay, he was bumped into the second. Wait, let me think for a second. This is actually interesting. Oh, oh, Tyree Kill. Yeah, yeah, ty- yeah. Okay, okay. Because Tyree Kill going into the draft, I was like, I'm not touching Tyree Kill. Second, third. If he's there in the fourth, for whatever reason, I'll take him. But, I mean, the kid who's got Tyreek Hill in my league is first in the league right now, and he's just been on an absolute tear. Look, there's no denying that Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, but Tyreek Hill is showing that, excuse me, he played a large role in Mahomes' development over in Kansas City. I mean, that guy's an absolute beast. Uh, And you know what's crazy is I'm looking at his points right now. He's he's wide receiver one right now Mm -hmm. in, in the league. Oh, my God. Like, 18 points. 42 points, and then 5, 25, 13, 30, 15, 30, 30, 17. <laughs> yeah. All on 12 targets, 13 targets, 14 targets, 15 targets. Like, the, the, you, all right, I would go as far as to say, maybe take out Jefferson. Tyree kills the number two wide receiver right now off the boards next year. Oh, yeah, definitely. Beh- behind Je- Justin Jefferson. Uh, to be honest, I, w- I would make a case that, Tyreek Hill could possibly be the first receiver off the board next year. An early first-round pick. You think he's better than Jefferson? In fantasy. I mean, Tyreek Hill has more explosion in fantasy, in my opinion. The yak. Yeah, the yards after catch is where he's going to kind of thrive. Justin Jefferson, I don't know. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Thielen's been okay, but Kirk Cousins loves to throw Justin Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Adam Thielen, he's a shell of himself at this point. I agree. I don't I think agree. he'll ever get back to that 1,000-yard receiver I don't status. think so either. And, and especially when it was Diggs and Thielen, they were at like their, their prime. Mm-hmm. Now you got Jefferson, and they just love to get him the ball. So I don't know. And Hawkinson's making a big impact too. Oh, yeah. So. TJ Hawkinson going to the Vikings was great for his fantasy aspects, by Which the way. Which is funny because I have TJ. You know what's, you know what's crazy? <laughs> so this was my team at one point. I had Jalen Waddle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and now I have Fields. And then I, oh, I had Curtis Samuel, and I had T.J. Hawkinson, and I have David Njoku in a twelve-person league, and I'm two and eight. Yeah, no. it makes no <laughs> sense to me. You, it's probably some scenario like where you've let up the most points in the yeah. league, and you've just been completely unlucky. Yeah. Because that that actually it flipped in my favor the one year I had the least amount of points in my league, but I let up the least amount of points by far, and I ended up making the playoffs. My team was horrendous, though. I got crushed in the first round. If if it makes any Difference to anyone? Feel the H just tweeted that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not practicing today because now he has a hamstring injury. Oh my goodness! Just yeah. in time for the Marquise Brown return. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude! If I could get Marquise Brown back with no D Hop, I mean Marquise Brown was a top five receiver before he got injured. And anyone who's going to be the wide receiver one in that offense is going to be a top receiver because Marquise Brown looked really good. But now that Brown's gone, Hopkins has looked really good. And if Hopkins is gone, I mean. Top five fantasy receiver. Let yeah. me just make that clear. Yeah, fantasy. He yeah. was putting up numbers before he got hurt. Uh, yeah, 100%. All right, so this conversation actually leads in perfectly to the next topic. So Cooper Cup, he went down with an injury on Sunday. Very unfortunate. High ankle sprain. Prayers out to him. Hope 
for a speedy recovery. But that basically leaves us with three front runners for the overall WR1 in fantasy this season. There's three candidates. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, and Stephon Diggs. So at the end of the day, who takes the crown? Who will be the best receiver in fantasy when it's all said and done? See, you still got about... See, it's tough because you know what I try to think of? I try to think of when you get to the later half of the season, who's going to be in the position to where it's, okay, we can kind of slow down with the, with players. Right, right. And if, if you're already the two seed and you're already locked in as that, you're not going to push Justin Jefferson that hard. You're not going to put Tyree Kill that hard. I think that the Bills are kind of fighting back on, on all the critics right now after they after they lost. It's tough because... Diggs plays in a cold environment, mm-hmm. and it's going to snow. I mean, the Browns game just got moved. So, yeah. if I had to guess, just based off of the scenario, I think that I think Tyreek Hill is going to get it. Yeah, just off the yak, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jefferson gets it. If I had to rank him, it's going to go Hill, Jefferson, and then Diggs. But I would not be surprised if either any of them are at the top. Well, I think Tyreek Hill's been the front runner for quite a few weeks now, but now uh, Tyreek Hill had. A bit of a slow game this past Sunday. Only five catches, 44 yards. Did add a touchdown. But, you know, we saw the... A slow 16-point game. A a slow 16 for Tyreek, you know, something like... That's the impact he's making. When you're saying it's a slow game, he had 16 points. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. He's he's been a game-changer in that Miami offense. And big reason why they're 7-3 and sitting atop the AFC East right now. But we just saw those huge games from Diggs and Jefferson when they played each other, possible game of the year candidate. I'll just make a few points here. So I think Jefferson is out to break records this year. After Mike Zimmer last year, he took Jefferson out of the game, which prevented him from breaking the Vikings' all-time receiving record in a season by Randy Moss. Kevin O'Connell, the more offensive-minded head coach in here now. Jefferson's having a season. I I think there's no doubt about it that Jefferson breaks that record. Diggs has more touchdowns than both of them. Tyreek has five touchdowns. Jefferson has five. Tyreek has, or Diggs has seven. Tyreek leads in yardage right now, I believe, by a small margin. So, honestly, they're hovering around pretty close right now, but I I would agree with you. When it's all said and done, Tyreek is just too much of a game changer in that offense. He has the most explosion, I believe, in fantasy out of all of them. I, I would honestly agree with your list. Tyreek, Jefferson, Diggs, especially considering Tyreek, I think the Dolphins are going to be fighting for that division up until the very last week. So I think Tyreek will get all the meaningful reps necessary. Uh, but the, look out for the Vikings. They could be eyeing up that number one seed as well. So I think that the thing as well is that I, now I would not be surprised if Diggs is at the top. I wouldn't be surprised if Jefferson's at oh, the yeah, top. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think that outside of that top three, and I know that Cup's gone and Jamar Chase has gone too, I mean, who really sticks out? I mean, St. Brown was killing it for like the first three mm-hmm. seasons, or not for the first three weeks, but who kind of sticks out as well? Because for the most part, no one has been that clear wide receiver four, or at least in the league so far. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, A.J. Brown, I mean, he's been consistent. He's had a couple blow-up weeks, but he hasn't really had the blow-up weeks that those other guys have had, obviously. But So he showed a pretty nice floor besides uh, this past Monday night against Washington. And uh, there was one other game where he had under 10 points. But besides that, he's shown a pretty consistent floor. And then uh, Tyreek Hill's counterpart in Miami, Jalen Waddle, he's been killing it too. It's slightly lesser than Tyreek, but 
No, it's not by a lot. Not too. by a lot, yeah. though. Not by a lot. You you technically have two wide receiver ones for NFL purposes. You have two wide receiver ones on that team, mm-hmm. and fantasy. Yeah, you have two wide receiver ones as well. I mean, I had Keenan Allen and Jalen Waddle. I traded Jalen Waddle for Debo, which uh, actually I traded Jalen Waddle for Debo and Mixon, and technically that worked out because Mixon saved my season with a fifty point game the other week. So. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm thinking about trading him, but I think Amari Cooper will have a WR1 type of stretch run here when Watson comes back. The schedule isn't too difficult towards the end. I think Watson, we've seen what Watson can do when he has a true number one guy. I think he's going to start feeding him early and often. Here's the problem is that, so I, as a diehard Browns fan, I don't know what the Browns are going to do over the next couple of weeks. Because now when Deshaun Watson comes back, the Browns aren't making the playoffs this year. Oh no! And no. I think that I don't know if they're gonna rest, if they're gonna keep everything out. Because I mean, those last five weeks are technically your warmups. Like that's next season is where mm-hmm. next season and the season after is where the Browns have got to go far in the playoffs. I don't know if he's gonna just start feeding players because I feel like they're gonna try different things. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're gonna get a lot of playing time. Yeah, you're gonna get these rookie wide receivers come in. I would be a little nervous if I had Amari Cooper. Or Donovan Peoples-Jones. Because Donovan Peoples-Jones has been very good, too. And he's been solid lately. I mean, he's putting up, like, 10 points a game. And I'm like, that's fine. As a flex guy. As, like, a good, like a go-to guy. But I don't know who they're going to give it to. And Joku might not come back. I I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's uh, kind of sketchy. I'm yeah. not going to lie. But I, I think the Browns offense will get all the reps necessary. Because, like you said, it's a warm-up. Deshaun Watson, he hasn't played football in, what, a year and a half? Well, do you start Watson as your as a quarterback? Let's say, like, if a guy's on a bye, would you consider starting Watson? I would consider it. I, I think— But you wouldn't go through with it. Well, no, I, I would consider it with the possibility of going through with it, but it also depends on my other options. Look, I don't think Watson's going to be some crazy fantasy asset this season. I think he's going to get get his feet wet under him a little bit, you know, get back to football shape, get— Get used to it a little bit again, but I think they're going to give him and the offense all the reps that are necessary for them to gel heading into training camp and heading in the next season. Yeah, and it's going to be kind of crazy because I never thought Chubb was going to have as good of a season as he's having, uh, at least touchdown-wise. I mean, he's been kind of killing it, but for the most part, that Browns' entire fantasy purpose offense, I have no clue what's going to happen with them, especially when Watson comes back because... I don't know what the game plan is, and that's only two weeks away now, but, I mean, they're going to have to play Buffalo. They're probably going to get destroyed, so I'm going to expect a lot of fantasy points, at least from running backs and wide receivers, maybe not Brissett. Yes, sir. Nick Carlson here along with your host, Nick Rizzo, Gridiron Forecast, having a nice little discussion here. This is flowing nicely. Let's head into the next topic. Uh, All right, so we mentioned Cooper Cup's injury. Oh, all right, so what does this mean for the prospects of Allen Robinson? Are we finally going to see some life out of this guy? I don't know because I thought there was going to be life late, like earlier in the season, but it seems like they're not on the same page, at least Stafford and Robinson. Mm-hmm. It seems like Skoranek gets a lot of the passes, and there's another guy. I don't remember his name, but there's another receiver. It's not, it's not Van Jefferson, is it? Is Van Jefferson still? Ooh, I, he was hurt earlier in the season. I don't know if he's returned. So your three, if Jefferson's fine, is Robinson, Jefferson, and Skoranek. It, oh, no. It, it's going like to <laughs> be like a 33% share down the line, and they're going to get a lot more running involved. So it's going to be a lot of Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson, but the problem is that it's all question marks. Like, there's no guy on that on that roster that I just named that I'm like, you know what? 
I would be comfortable starting him in my flex. No, that's I would so be comfortable true, starting him in the running back too. I mean, is there a guy that sticks out to you? No, not at all. I mean, the only guy that I would actually be confident starting in that offense is maybe Allen Robinson. I'm not even confident in him. So I, I'm not what, confident yeah. by any means, but if I had to throw someone in there, it would be Robinson. But look, so Cooper Cup this season has literally been the Rams offense. He literally gets like a huge majority of their offensive production. I'm really interested to see how this Rams offense is going to look without him. I mean, it, it might just be downright bad. We'll know after the first week, though, because if Robinson gets, like, 15 targets, all right, we're starting Robinson for the next five weeks. Oh, yeah. Or three weeks, or whatever the number is. But you'll know after that first week, all right, they're going to run it. They're going to pass it. It's going to be this attack, that attack. You'll know after that first week. But until you get past that first week, I'm not starting a single Rams player on any part of the ball. Wouldn't it just be pure bliss for Allen Robinson drafters if he just stepped right into that Cooper Cup role and just got, like, 10 catches a game? Yeah, he's not going to. <laughs> no. I, I can see Skoranek getting it because it seems like McVay likes to use him kind of in the Cooper Cup oh, roles. Yeah, yeah. But, I a, mean, a Robinson. Walmart Cooper Cup. Yeah, yeah, Walmart Cooper Cup. But Robinson doesn't seem like he's going to be that guy. So, Odell Beckham. Rumored that he is going to sign with the team very soon, possibly shortly after Thanksgiving. His rumored list of teams are the Cowboys, Chiefs, Niners, Bills, and even the New York football Giants are thrown in there too. So, all right, so first prediction on where he signs and where should fantasy managers be hoping that he signs for the best outlook for the rest of the season there? I'd say fantasy managers want him to go to the Giants. Really? Just because when you really think about it. So, I mean, do you have the list of the teams in front of you? Who? Yes. So, all right, so go one by one. All right, so Cowboys. Okay, so they got CD, they have Gallup, and they have Dalton Schultz and Zeke and Tony That is Ballard. a pretty crowded offense. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs. Y- yeah, I don't even have to go down the list. No. <laughs> so. All right, Niners. I don't That's a crowded to, offense, I, too. That would be the craziest <laughs> offense ever. But. All right, Buffalo. Now. See, that's – I'm not high on Gabe Davis. So that's that's the only reason why – I can see him fitting there. It's just what I said before. It gets cold. It gets windy, snowy, rainy. Mm-hmm. I'd be a little nervous with, with Odell, especially with how good the Bills are. They're going to have probably the one seed. So, I don't think Gabe Davis can be any type of like volume guy. I yeah. think he could just be like that field stretcher. So then, what, who's the next team? Then the Giants. Exactly. Who I, I couldn't name a receiver on the Giants. But uh, you're right. But the, are you going to talk about the quarterback? The thing I'm concerned about is the quarterback yeah. with the Giants. I don't know though. It's it's I I'm going to base it off of the fact that Saquon Barkley's a running back and they don't have any good wide receivers. I don't know why you'd want to go to the Giants if you're if you're Odell. Oh, I, no, I'm I, yeah, I don't either. I know why he's there. I, I, I I'm trying to think of where he's going to go. He's going to go to the best team in the league. And look, all right, that, that's where he's going. If we're being honest, yes. The Actually, gi- where do you think he's going to go? Like, where do you think right now? Take fantasy out of it. Where does Odell sign? I think he's going to Dallas. I See, me, Jerry Jones just seems so keen right now on getting Odell Beckham there. He's been talking about it for weeks. I mean, And it's not about money. It's literally where does Odell want to play. No, it is, definitely. Yeah. And, like, if we're looking at it, yes, the Giants are winning games. Realistically, do we think that they're some type of Super Bowl contender? Who? The Giants. The Giants? See, it's so tough because... I've not watched the Giants game this season just because I don't care enough to watch the Giants. I'm like, oh, the Giants suck as always, <laughs> but they're just winning games. Yeah. So I'm so confused, and I look at the stats, and I'm like, 
who is Wandale Robinson? Who is Dante Pettis? I'm like, who are these guys that he's getting the ball to? Mm-hmm. But they're just winning games. So I, I don't know. That's why it's the same thing with the Jets. I don't know if the Jets are contenders, but the Jets have a very good record. Yeah. I, I mean, could he go to the Eagles? The Eagles? Odell? Yeah, I mean, that'd be crazy. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, and Odell. <laughs> Never count Howie Roseman out. I mean, out. that's what I'm saying. That would be absolutely crazy. They just signed a Domicon Sue today. I mean, you see Ian Rappaport, the rich get richer, and mm-hmm. that would be crazy. But Honestly, though, if, if I'm the Giants, I'm not even considering going after Odell. They got a good thing going for them right now. I think Odell. don't want a locker room problem. I don't, yeah, exactly. They got a great thing going with Dayball and that culture right now. I think Odell would just put a thorn in that, and we know his personality, but. Odell on the Chiefs would be crazy. That would be good. Mahomes and Odell, that would be like prime TV right there. And so. But you, got, you, got, you have a Kadarius Tony already, too. You have so. Tony. You have Tony. He could be like a nice little slot guy, you know? You also have Juju, though, too. So where does he fit in if. If you're the Chiefs, because you have Juju, and then you got Michael Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Kadarius Tony, and you also got Travis Kelsey. Well, for me, Hardman and MVS are nowhere near every snap, guys. They're just on there for your field stretchers, and then uh, I feel like Odell would be a solid. So would he be the two behind Juju, or would he be the one Juju behind him? Well, I think. Well, you also have to take into into account Kelsey. He'll be the number one weapon in that offense, and then I think Odell will be right behind him. Honestly, but look, Odell, I think he would be the number one receiver on the Chiefs, fully healthy, assuming. But for him at this point, I feel like at this point in his career, he's all about winning. I feel like he's proved himself with the stats up to this point. I think he just wants to be on winning teams at this point. I think for fantasy purposes, if he goes to the Cowboys, I'm not going to start him with confidence. Mm -hmm. If he goes to the 49ers, I'm definitely I might not even start him. Because of the Giants or the the Chiefs, I think I'm starting him at a flex or wide receiver too, and I'm feeling pretty happy about it. Yeah, I, look, the Chiefs. I, I would really like him on the Chiefs. I'm not gonna lie. All right, so we mentioned that outside of the top three guys at wide receiver, there hasn't really been a clear cut next guy there. Kind of mumbo jumbo mixture in there. So let's flip that back to the running back position. It's been an absolute carousel this season. You know, we have our elite guys up there. We know who's good. We know who's performing up to this point in the season. But not really a clear RB1 up to this point. So stake your claim, Nick Carlson. Who is the single best running back to own in fantasy football right now and for the rest of the season? So I'm looking at the actual rankings right now to see who statistically it is on fantasy. Let me see. So according to NFL.com, the number one player in fantasy football is Austin Eckler by 40 points. Wow, really? Exactly over McCaffrey. Oh, my God. So the one, two, three, four, five, it goes Eckler, McCaffrey, Saquon, Chubb, Derrick Henry. I think Saquon provides a lot to his team, and I think McCaffrey's done a lot good, too. I think that for the latter half of the season, I think Eckler's going to be the number one. And I think McCaffrey's going to drop just because of the production of how many guys are kind of doing their thing inside that 49ers offense. I do think Saquon uh, next year is going to be very, very good just because of what he's shown. Uh-huh. But I think Eckler's number one. Number one right now, Eckler? Yeah. I mean, that pass, that pass game work is just, I mean, invaluable. For a fantasy manager. And he throws touchdowns, too, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, Austin Eckler? No, I was talking about McCaffrey. Oh, wow, yeah. wow. Well, yeah, McCaffrey and Eckler. Yeah. I mean, both of them in the pass-catching well, game. And Saquon's... A, okay, this is actually kind of interesting. So, Eckler, McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley. 
Would you say that they're receiving backs? Eckler and McCaffrey, yes. Saquon Barkley, no. But he catches a lot of receptions. He does, but I don't think that's his bread and butter like it is McCaffrey and Eckler. And, okay, so regardless of that, one, two, and three is Eckler, McCaffrey, and Barkley. The next guys, tell me if they're pass catchers. Chubb, Henry, and Josh Jacobs. <laughs> no. Exactly. That's, that's, that's why it's so crazy. No, I mean, pass catching backs in fantasy, I mean, they're superior. There's I know. No, no doubt about it. There, it's literally like having an... Oh, it's literally like having another wide receiver in your exactly. lineup right there. Yeah, so PPR, Eckler, McCaffrey, Saquon, Chubb, Henry, Jacobs, Mixon, Jones. Uh, Leonard Fournette is coming in at number nine here, and I would argue that is only because of his pass game work. I well, Did he have like 10 catches one game or something? Yeah, like he gets checkdowns like it's nothing. You know who's kind of making a little bit of a run back who, and I know that he's also not on the itinerary, Travis Etienne yeah. has come out of nowhere. No, he has. Ever since uh ever since J Rob got traded. Yeah. I mean he what do you have like thirty carries one game? I was like, whoa. And then like he's catching the ball too. Mm-hmm. I mean he has hundred and thirty eight fantasy points, and I would argue that probably like a hundred of them have come in the last three weeks. I mean, look, for not having the lead back role for some of the season, Travis Etienne being the twelfth best back in fantasy this exactly. season is really impressive. Along with Pierce too, Pierce has kind of come out of nowhere. Oh yeah, there's so many guys who kind of shock me when I look. Like Ramondre Stevenson being the tenth ranked guy, that's <laughs> crazy to me. Honestly, like a lot of people were high on Stevenson in the off season, but I didn't think he would be some top ten back. I mean, Belichick has kind of abandoned the committee approach this year so far. Yeah, and I think that's kind of crazy because it's like we were always thinking, oh, it's going to be Damian Harris and Stevenson. But now it's just Stevenson. So it's like, <laughs> if you have Stevenson, you're happy. If you have Harris, you're very upset. And it was extra concerning. In a press conference before the season, <laughs> Belichick, in his normal uh, monotone voice, he goes, yeah, I don't give a bleep about fantasy football. Yeah. So you had to fully expect the committee coming in there for New England. But, I mean, Stevenson, he's showed out. Respect to him. And he catches a lot of passes, too, out of that backfield. I do have to say, just... Kind of flipping over to quarterback really quickly. Okay. Who do you think are the top five players in fantasy right now in order from one to five? Quarterback? Yeah, statistically. Who do I think the top five quarterbacks are? Yeah. I think Pat Mahomes is number one. Is that right? He's number one by no joke, point two. Really? Like two-tenths of a point. All right, wait. Let me think here. All right. Josh Allen, number two. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, number three. Yeah. I need to get this right. This is my mission now. All right. And those three are all within, like, five points of each other. Okay. So this next one is, like, maybe 20 points away. All right. Number four, Joe Burrow. He's number five. Dang, number four, Lamar Jackson. Lamar is number six. (laughs) <laughs> All right, wait. Num- oh, Justin Fields. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. So Fields is two. Oh, so Fields has two hundred and four fantasy points. Then Hertz is two twenty six, and then Mahomes and Allen both have two thirty four. So. Oh my gosh. Quarterback's actually pretty close. I know. I know. But yeah, there's multiple elite options at quarterback. You, you need to have a good quarterback to win your fantasy league. I've started to. Yeah, I've started to learn that the hard way. (laughs) Wait, who's your quarterbacks in your league? Well, now it's Fields, but I picked him up off the waiver wire. I mean, it was Andy Dalton at one point. It was Jared Goff when he played the Patriots at one point. Uh, I started Heineke for fun one of the the years. (laughs) For fun. One of the days, so... 
Hey, look, Terry McLaurin, uh, another guy that isn't on the itinerary, but this just popped into my mind. He's been balling with Taylor Heineke the past four weeks. I do agree, and Curtis Samuel has kind of kept his production too. I think you stick with, and this is just football or NFL specifically, I think you stick with Heineke. Wentz has been kind of up and down fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, Heineke's not hurting anyone. No one's going to really start <laughs> Heineke, but at the same time, Robinson's look good. McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, they've looked very good as fantasy-wise a team. Yeah, and look, Heineke just gives that team a jolt that Wentz just can't give them. I agree, yeah. Uh, 100%, and I think for the rest of the season, it should be Heineke. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, he started a playoff game for them. They, they just rise to the occasion more when he's the quarterback for some reason. Yeah, I agree, and it's so weird because, like, Heineke has those little glimpses where he shines, <laughs> but then he kind of falls off, and then they just replace him. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, All right, I guess Heineke will make another start in a couple weeks. But And yeah. then and then the new quarterback they get gets hurt, and then the whole cycle repeats. Yeah, it's been going on for four years now, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, right, Heineke's starting again. So This is a guy that almost beat. Tom Brady in a playoff game. Exactly. Let, let's just let's just remember that. Yeah. If Washington Washington might sneak into the playoffs and every single NFC East team might be in there. That would be crazy. That's possible? Is that possible? Really? Oh yeah. To get could, all four in? That could definitely happen. Because three wild cards now. They would just Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. you get division. That would be crazy. And the same thing could possibly happen in the AFC East too. Yeah. All those teams are going off too. Yeah. It's uh Patriots are in last right now. I believe. They're, like, near 500, though. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And same with the the Commanders are 500. Yeah, that, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. The, the NFC East and the AFC East. Who would have expected that would have been the two best divisions in football? Not me. I thought it was the <laughs> NFC West and the AFC West. Oh, yeah, yeah, literally. Oh, my. that That's the thing with the NFL. The NFL stands for not for long. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Things don't last long in the NFL. Yeah. I learned that after the Eagles 2018 Super Bowl. I thought we were about to rip off some crazy dynasty. Yeah, I learned quickly that the NFL does not work that way. Also, you got Foles there, and, and Wentz, is, Wentz was too inconsistent. I don't know. It's 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 crazy how, how fast it changes. Yeah. All right, so let's start looking ahead to Week 11 now. Give me – we're going to play a little game. Give me one must start and one must sit for the quarterback position, and we will follow with the running back, wide receiver, and tight end position. Your one golden start and your one guy that you're saying you got to leave him on the bench at all costs. Um, I'm going to say... We're starting with quarterback, you said? Yes. See, it's so tough because like, I don't want to be like that guy and be like, oh, start Patrick Mahomes or start Yeah, whoever. exactly. Um, I like... I like to go with Fields again. I, I feel like yeah. with Fields and that and that rushing, it doesn't matter who he's playing. The fact that he's going to run the ball as much as he is, he's going to be such a key component of his game. I think you go with Fields until he burns you, and that's what I'm going to do, at least in my fantasy league. So what are you doing if you have Fields, but you also have a top guy like Mahomes or Allen or Hurts? I, honestly, if I had Mahomes and Fields both on my lineup, I would trade Fields. I, that wouldn't even be a situation for me. I would... I would still go with Fields. Actually, no, no. I would go with Mahomes because of the consistency. You don't know what's going to happen with Fields. If mm-hmm. if if you're struggling between like Fields and like I don't know, like Andy Dalton. All right, like we're going Fields regardless. But if you're getting into that top guy area, then I think you go with the consistent guy. The kid in my league, he just traded. He has Lamar Jackson, and he also picked up Fields. 
He basically traded Fields. Uh, that's what I would have done for Christian Kirk. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good trade. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, who's your guy that you're leaving on the bench, week eleven? I, I you know, it's funny, and this is gonna sound crazy. I don't like Josh Allen, and 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 wow. I I would never leave him on the bench, but I'm just gonna stay that Josh Allen has been struggling over the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the interceptions are in your league, but like they could be anywhere from two to four, and he leads the league in interceptions. Yeah. He's going to have the rushing yards, but the, the Browns' defense has been very stingy to running quarterbacks because you've had to deal with Lamar for the longest amount of time. Yeah, I'd be nervous with Josh Allen, but, I mean, you can't put him on the bench. You really so. can't. Because then if, he, if you put him on the bench and he explodes, then yeah. you're just going to be kicking yourself. If, if I had to give you someone, put Mariota on the bench. Mariota, he's, he's, okay. he's been horrible. Yeah. So. <laughs> See, I'm in a two-quarterback league. My quarterbacks are Trevor Lawrence and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as you're not looking good over there. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. All right, so... My start of the week at quarterback, give me Taylor Heineke against Houston. All right, look, so Washington went with a run-heavy approach against Philly. That was, let's be real, that was the only way they were going to beat them by keeping Philly's offense off the field. Washington's on a roll. They're playing the lowly Houston this week. I think they're going to have some fun, and I think they're going to air it out a little bit. I think they're going to get a little flashy this week, and I think Heineke will be a benefit of that. Along with Terry McLaurin. Fire up Terry McLaurin. I respect it. Jared Goff has to be on all benches. I agree with that, yeah, 100%. Jared Goff, I mean, he had a little moment earlier in the season where people thought he could be a legit fantasy option, but he's been falling off so hard recently. I I agree. Those first three weeks, it was like, oh, Jared Goff, but now he's he's back to Jared Goofball. Jared Goofball Goff, yeah. yeah. And the Giants' defense has been pretty stingy this year, too, so... Definitely not liking that matchup. Let's move on to running backs. Who's the who's your golden play of the week at the running back position? I think golden play of the week is Brian Robinson against the Houston Texans. The okay. Houston Texans defense has been a little stingy, uh, but Brian Robinson's looked very good. He gets a lot of carries a game. I think that the upside for him is pretty crazy. Um, but I think for my sit and this was a guy I wanted so bad at the start of the year, and now he's been dealing with injuries, and it just seems like he's kind of lost the backfield. Yeah. I think DeAndre Swift is somebody who you could sit, especially oh, yeah, against a, yeah. a, a very good Giants run defense. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams kind of seems like he's taken over. Uh, if I'm DeAndre Swift and you spend a first or second round pick on him, I mean, I wouldn't have it in me to start him. I completely agree with you. The past three weeks, DeAndre Swift has 22 combined touches. Exactly, and he's not doing really anything with them. Yeah, I mean, he's like somewhat saved his weeks because he does have two touchdowns in that span. But, uh, I mean, he's just straight up not startable at this point until he starts getting some sort of a workload going again. I agree. So, uh, A.J. Dillon needs to stay on benches this week. Now, coming into the year... The Packers' offense was viewed as a team that was going to pound the football. And they've done that, but it hasn't been as much of an even split as people expected. Aaron Jones has kind of taken full control of that backfield. I mean, last week he had 24 rushing attempts, also gets all the work in the passing game. A.J. Dillon, I mean, at this point he doesn't even get targets. So A.J. Dillon, he, and I, I saw a stat. A.J. Dillon has not gotten over 10 carries in the past, like, three or four weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I know. It, it seems more of a solo backfield than anything else. Yeah, A.J. AJ Dillon is more kind of like just a change of pace guy to get Jones off the field a little bit, and it's yeah. kind of shocking. I mean, 
He does look kind of slow out there, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, and it's funny because I drafted AJ Dillon like the sixth round, and I was like, oh, we get the two guys. They're, it's either way. One of them is going to do good, but they're still going to do okay. And I got rid of AJ Dillon because I was like, this guy's just not getting the production that I want from him. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. I mean, could be worth a stash if, God forbid, Jones ever goes down. But Well, yeah. <laughs> that's probably the only reason you're stashing him at this point. Yeah, he, he's not, he doesn't have any standalone value right now. And then my start of the week, Tony Pollard, even if Ezekiel Elliott plays, needs to yeah. be in all lineups. I think that if Zeke is not there, all right, I, all right ready? I, this is a hot take. If Ezekiel Elliott is not on the Cowboys next week or next year for whatever reason, like he, won't, like he will be because of the contract yeah. he signed, if Ezekiel Elliott is not on that team, Tony Pollard's a first-round pick. Oh, no, completely agree. Yeah. But Tony Pollard's also a free agent, though. See, so. that's where it gets tough, though, because the Cowboys have a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. They have a very good offensive scheme. Like, if Tony Pollard goes to the Dolphins, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do there. If he goes to Houston, Carolina, I don't know. But the fact that he's on the Cowboys indoor, very good offensive line, uh-huh. very good scheme, I think it's a very good mix. And if you do trade Elliott, you're not giving Pollard a contract that he has. It would be much cheaper. Yeah. And pa- Pollard, like, has shown in Zeke's time off this season that he he could handle duties as a number one running back. I Yeah, I agree with that. We've seen that over the past couple weeks. So, I don't know. It's a lot of weird stuff going on between Pollard and, and the Cowboys organization. It is kind of weird, though, because before last week, last week was actually his first career game with 20 or more carries in a game. Yeah, it's crazy. Never got more than 20. I know, and it, and it, it's crazy because it's like the production when it's there, it shows, but yeah. it's just not there. But may, like that's when you start to question, if he does get that consistent bell cow uh, workload, does he start to lose some of that explosiveness? I agree, yeah. But may, maybe it won't happen over the course of one season, but over the course of a few seasons, definitely. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the wide receiver position. What you thinking there? So, wide receiver start. I'm going to stick with the guy who I think was wide receiver one last week in Christian Watson. Oh, okay. I, that's, I, I, I think he's the guy. He's he's built a good connection with uh, Rodgers. The Titans haven't been the best pass defense, and Romeo Dobbs is out. You do get Cobb back, but at the same time, Watson's really performed well, and they play in just what, like a half an hour or so? Yeah. And then I'd say for my sit, I would go as far as to say you could sit every single receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. <laughs> the Bengals have looked very good defensively, and Kenny Pickett has kind of struggled. I think Deontay Johnson, who we were thinking was going to be this big guy, especially now Claypool leaves, mm-hmm. it's been more of Pickett's. So I would say you're going to sit Deontay Johnson over anyone else. Completely agree. Deontay Johnson, I mean, I had some worries about him going into the season because he's never really been the most efficient guy. He kind of thrived off volume and, you know, kind of predicted that he wouldn't get that same volume without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I love that Christian Washington take, though. I, I, re- I really love that take. I mean, seriously, what are your expectations for him tonight after that game last week? I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have, like, if he doesn't have, like, over five targets, I'm, like, nervous. Because then I'm like, all right, well, Aaron Rodgers, just it was just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm expecting him to get over five targets, bunch of yards. He's a speed guy. Mm-hmm. So he's like a Debo. But it's just the fact that Aaron Rodgers, when he doesn't like you, he lets everybody know. Now, can he be 
that consistent guy for Rodgers or will he just be like a field stretcher, like a Gabe Davis type? I don't know, which is tough. Yeah. Because especially for fantasy, it's like you want that surefire 100%, but at the same time, Watson, he's kind of shown glimpses of him being good, especially with last week, not only in the NFL, but in fantasy. I mean, he popped off, but at the same time, you never know just because of how Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur like to play. I mean, it's a week-by-week basis. Dobbs, remember, I think it was like week six, everyone's like, oh, Romeo Dobbs, the new Devontae Adams. (laughs) I I made sure to pick him up in in waivers. He had like five points a game. So you you never know with with Packers receivers. Well, Christian Watson, he has all the tools. He's 6'5", he's 4'3 speed, he's 207. I mean, he has the physical standards to be a number one guy in the NFL. I agree. Yeah. He's, he's just got to put it all together. And maybe it won't happen fully this year, but I think he does have potential to be that number one guy for Green Bay in the near future. I agree. All right. So, wide receiver. Let's get into it here. Terry McLaurin, fire him up in all lineups. I mentioned, I, I think the commanders. I would have started him regardless. Well, so, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I think the commanders are going to have a field day against Houston. Going to show some flashy play there that they haven't been able to get a chance to show off yet much this season. So Terry McLaurin, fire him up, especially after that huge eight-catch, 128-yard game against Philly, against Darius Slay. I mean, Houston does not have a Darius Slay in their secondary. I think McLaurin's going to rip them apart, to be honest. Here's my thing with that pick, is I'm nervous they're going to go up like 24-0 going into halftime. Mm. And if Terry does not do all of his damage then, he's not going to because you're going to start to kind of pull the starters. So I'm just a little nervous with that. But that I still think you're starting Terry McLaurin regardless. That is a good point. That is a good point. It's all up to the defense. They have to play like they did against Philly. Yeah. And because the offense, I think, will thrive regardless. But yeah. if the defense shuts them down, then that could possibly become a problem. Yeah. Now, I'm a little sketched out about Chargers receivers now. They do play Kansas City in a possible shootout matchup. We're talking Josh Palmer here. We're talking... Uh, the other replacements filling in I would Carter. S- I would slow the roll on that because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both did practice today. All right, all right, all right. So, so this is assuming that they were out again. Yeah. Be- so uh, Keenan practiced in a limited uh, capacity in drills. Mike Williams was kind of just kind of there. Okay. But if Keenan comes back, I think that's a game changer because I think you start Keenan 100%. Oh, yeah. I would be nervous to start any receiver on the Chargers if they're not there. Exactly, yes, yes, because when Keenan and Mike Williams have been out, then Chargers offense has been completely out of sync, Yeah, really inefficient. Herbert really hasn't been able to get it going this season, but you can't really blame him. I mean, he did suffer that rib injury. That could possibly still be bothering him a little bit. Also, he's missing, I'm not even joking you, his left tackle, his right tackle, his left guard, and his right guard are all out for the season. Yeah, it's just injury-riddled season for the Chargers so far. Yeah, Yeah, they're still hovering in there, though. So All thanks to who? Justin Herbert. All thanks to Justin Herbert and what he's been able to do. Exactly. And it's not like Brandon Staley's doing him any favors either. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if the the Chargers don't make the playoffs this season, Brandon Staley needs to be fired. I I don't think that, though. No? Because they're all injured. All right, right, I'll go through the list of players who are injured. Ready? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Their left tackle, their right tackle, their left guard, and their right guard. That's already half the offense right there. Justin Herbert has broken ribs as well. J.C. Jackson out for the season. Joey Bosa out for eight weeks. And then now they, they're missing three of their D tackles. So that is a borderline whole team right there. Do you think that 
that the coach deserves to be fired if you're dealing with something like that? See, obviously that's not his fault, but I just don't think he's a dynamic coach. I, I don't know. I mean, even even when the offense has been healthy, I mean, we haven't really seen game-changing stuff from the offense. We really just haven't. He's a defensive-minded coach, that's why. And then you take a look at the defense. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a, uh, there's a lot of question marks. Maybe I'm just like a Brandon Staley fanboy, but I don't know. I, I mean, like, I love his aggressiveness as a coach. That's what though. I love, yeah. I love his aggressiveness, but I, I don't think he's done Herbert any favors. I don't think he's done the team any favors. And to me, like, a, a truly elite coach under these circumstances, they still find a way to keep the team afloat and have them still in contention for when those guys come back, which the Chargers have done. Yeah. That I will give him credit. The Chargers have stayed above water with all the injuries this season so far. But I, I just don't think when it comes down to it, for the Chargers to be Super Bowl contenders, I don't think Staley's the guy. I respectfully disagree. But yeah. <laughs> you think he could be a Super Bowl coach one day? I do. It's just it's too injury riddled. That's the thing is that you'll never know because if you fire him, I, I'll bet you if they fire Brandon Staley, he will be picked up in the matter of minutes. He probably would. Because the fact that he's such a good coach, it's just the injuries, you got to gel to that type of playing style. First year, it didn't work out. You missed by one game. But at the same time, you go into the second season and literally your whole team gets hurt. I mean, like think about it on Madden right now. You, you'd be scrolling for days looking at the injuries because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's everybody that's, that they have. So I think that's a little unfair to fire him at that point. I, I just don't know if I see it. I just don't know if I see it out of Brandon Staley. Uh, I don't know. I've seen too many blunders out of him, man. Exactly, yeah, but that's the Chargers organization. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. But. All right, so let's move on here, wrap things up with the tight ends. Very thin position in fantasy. It's been like that for quite some time now. Who Who's a sleeper for you? Who are you playing this week? I think you, even though he struggled, I think you start Cole Komet. Basically okay. because Fields is starting to turn it on a little bit. Komet's also had three touchdowns in the last three games. So he's kind of proving that he can do stuff. I think at the same time, he's a very risky pick. He's going to be on a lot of waivers probably just because of the fact that he was putting up like zero points a game. Mm-hmm. I think he's as sleeper as it could get, and I would start him this week against kind of an eh Falcons team. Um, for my sit, and I've been saying this for weeks now, if you play the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> you should never start your tight end. They've held Mark Andrews to a point. They've they've actually held him twice to a point. Dawson Knox is probably going to put up a goose egg. Oh, wow. Jeremiah Wusukuramoa, his literal main reason he was drafted is to guard the tight ends, mm-hmm. to guard Travis Kelsey. I can't expect him to do a whole lot. Dawson Knox is my sit of the week. Okay, I like those picks a lot. As long as, you know, you know who else? Kyle Pitts, a point. That's what I'm saying, because I know Kyle Pitts is <laughs> yeah. your guy. So He's my guy. I'm sticking with him for the rest of the season. We're riding with him. We saw some late-season explosion out of him last year. I'm hoping we could get something uh, yeah. similar to that. That would be really nice. Not even nice. late-season, just like a touchdown. Like, it's <laughs> nah, like, seriously. Like the simplest you could get. Give so. me a 100-yard game, man. That's is that too it, much to yeah. ask? Is that too much to ask out of Kyle Pitts, a generational tight end talent? I know, but yeah. All right, so my start of the week at tight end, fire up Greg Dolchich, Denver Broncos, going up against the Raiders. Raiders' defense has not been that great this season. Russell Wilson has kind of favored his tight ends a little bit this year, especially with the injury to Judy. Uh, Sutton will be involved, clearly, but I think Wilson will go more towards Dolchich's way more this week. I do agree with that. I think that Dolchich is kind of 
I, I would say Nat solidified himself as the number one, but I mean, you lost Fant, so now you need someone else to step in, and mm-hmm. I feel like Wilson's made a good connection with him, and yeah. that's proved good for fantasy owners. For sure. Had a little bit of a down week last week, but definitely expecting a bounce back there. Yeah. So I'm sitting Foster Moreau this week, keeping it in the same game there. Denver's defense, uh, polar opposites to their offense this season. Their defense has been really stingy. Uh, they've act- they're actually allowing the least amount of points per game on defense in the entire league. So, do you know how much I had to just think about who Foster Moreau was? <laughs> I literally had no idea who he was, and I was like, "Oh wait, he's on the he's on the Raiders, right?" Well, yeah. So Waller's on IR now. Okay, yeah, so and then Moreau's taking over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've seen him put up some production in the past when Waller's missed games, but. It's not happening this week. Yeah. Denver, they shut down the Raiders earlier in the year when they played, too, including Devontae Adams. They're a very, very good passing defense team. Yeah. I mean, some of what they've been able to pull off, I mean, they shut you down on if you're a wide receiver. If If I am a fantasy owner playing a wide receiver against the Broncos, I don't care who it is. I would really consider sitting him. I mean, like, really, when you think about it, they've shut down guys. What like any tight end you're saying? Tight end or wide receiver, like 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 Travis Kelsey against Denver. I <laughs> I, I feel like I, that's see, pushing it a little bit. Travis Kelsey's a little bit of a tough one, but like I mean, they shut down Colts wide receivers. Yeah. They've shut down Raiders wide receivers. Devontae Adams is putting up one point. I, it, it's so tough because I don't know. I wouldn't. I would. I would think about. It. I would. I would listen to offers. I think Kelsey and Andrews are must starts no matter what though any given week. You think Josh Allen's a must start? <laughs> it depends on your other options. That's the thing. Okay. Like, all right, so it's so hard though because Josh Allen he'll either explode for you or he'll put up an absolute blunder. You I know, know what I mean? And same thing with Fields. Fields is either going to put up forty points or legitimately might put up zero. Mm-hmm. So you never know. But that's conversation for another day. <laughs> but yeah, another sit though. Uh, Trey McBride on the Cardinals. So we saw Zach Ertz go down. McBride expected to step into that starting tight end role. I just don't see it this week, though, against San Fran. Matchup isn't there. First game starting in the offense. I mean, he didn't really get much playing time when Ertz was in there. So maybe he'll pick it up eventually this season and be maybe a serviceable tight end. But, yeah, not this week. Yeah, I agree. I think that Zach Ertz was, like, I think the number four. He was doing well. Yeah, he was good. It's just tough because, I mean, McBride's got to come in and carry the load, doesn't have that connection, and I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but after this week, we'll we'll definitely know. But Nick Rizzo says, sit him this week, so. <laughs> that means it's a must-sit this week, yeah. right, Carlson? Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it seems, so. Yes, sir. All right. That will do it for us here tonight on Gridiron Forecast, Episode 4. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, alongside my guest here today, Nick Carlson. Good luck in all your Week 11 matchups, and I will see you next week to wrap up Week 11 and take a look ahead to Week 12. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great night. You've been listening to Gridiron Forecast with your host, Nick Rizzo. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Gridiron Forecast in every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.